You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I hope you all are having a fantastic Saturday. On the agenda for today, we're going to be doing some Q&A, primarily, that is. Um, as I mentioned, there's all this stuff that I got going on as far as moving and to be honest, it's going to be going on for a while. I don't. We don't have to be out of this place until July. So there's going to be several dates. Weekends are going to be hard. We're going to be over there. Going to have people visiting. Um, going to have a couple different moving days. So um, the point is, I'm going to be relying on all of you. If you want a podcast, we're going to be needing a lot of Q&A days. Because Q&A days are, I don't have time to do a lot of like in-depth research type stuff. As much as I like doing it, I just don't really have the time I've been wanting to do a lot of the interviews and stuff, but that requires sitting and listening and time stamping and getting audio prepared and everything else for the show. So I'm planning on it, but I haven't, you know, had the time exactly to do it. So if we're going to keep this streak going of having uh, shows every day, because JJ's busy, I'm going to be relying on you guys to uh, to hit me with the question and answer. I did leave that uh, up in the Facebook group. I was hoping we could do a little bit of a better hit rate than 10 comments in a group with 1,500 people, but it is what it is. I appreciate everybody that jumped in with the comments. If you just want to hit me with a question, just do it anyway. If you don't have Facebook, if you can't find it, whatever, wherever you message me, uh, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, uh, Instagram, don't care. It possibly will get forgotten, but it's at least worth a shot as long as I, I have it. Also, another... Uh, thing to keep in the back of your mind and shoot me if you have some ideas. I mean, you know, shoot the idea to me. Don't want to give you that idea. He said shoot me. I don't know. Been wanting to do that for years. Finally got an invite. Um, guest hosts. I did talk to JJ. Um, he said he may be able to slide one in real quick, but he is out of town and he's busy. Who are some people that you think would make good guest hosts? Now, please keep in mind, there are certain people that will not do it. They have their own shows. They have very successful shows. They're not interested. It would be a very marginally paid gig, but um, still, just keep that in mind. Should see if uh, should see if some one of the some of the football players want to want a guest host in their downtime. Hey, Rogers, you're not busy these days. You're not doing anything. The floor is yours, sir. The format of the show is say whatever you want. It literally doesn't matter. Anyway, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, our friend Tyler Herrick, um, who has a beat on what Aaron Rodgers plane number is or whatever the 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 tail number. i don't know what it's i don't know the terminology basically he's tracking aaron Rodgers. <laughs> i mean he's not like blasting the information out there or anything it's just he just happens to know what he's up to it's public information that most people don't know how to find anyways according to uh tyler the uh the quarterback of the green bay packers mr aaron Rodgers, is no longer in hawaii however he followed that up with a comment. He still doesn't see him coming back to Green Bay anytime soon, meaning he didn't fly back to the Midwest. Maybe went back to California. Possibly he's on his second vacation somewhere else. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna put something up in the Facebook group right now, just for fun. Packernet Podcast Facebook group. If you're not in there, get in there. Oh, wait, the golf thing. He's probably doing the golf thing, right? Where is that? Oh, no, that's July 6th. I thought I saw an interview where they said it was going to be soon. 
but that is uh, Moonlight Basin in Big Sky, Montana. So that's a, that's that's a possibility. Might be in Montana. Might be in California. You'd be in Montana for like a month, but you know whatever. But since it's not that obvious, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put it in the Facebook group. It's also been reported via Devin Funches that he will be back um, this following week, which is good. I mean, I I again, he's the one that we knew was planning on coming back. I mean, it wouldn't really make sense for him to <laughs> to hold out. He's I guess it doesn't make sense for any of them to. I mean, it's not like Funches is gonna have a harder time finding work than you know equanimous out on the street. I don't know, but Funchess has always been saying, I can't wait to play. I'm all jacked up. I'm, we're, you know, we're going to do great things, all this stuff. He's been saying it, which is why it was surprising he didn't come to voluntary OTAs. I'm not going to beat that to death, but again, it just those two things don't match in my brain. Like, I'm all fired up. We're going to get it going. Yeah, we're going to get it. All right, man, let's get to work. You ready? Do I have to come? No, I'll then I'm... I'm not coming. I'm I'm gonna keep vacationing. And and actually, again, and I I don't have the audio queued up, but I did listen to some of the interviews. And uh, Robert Tunyon did kind of lay out that it is good to be here. It's good for the players. It's good to be back with the guys. It's good to kind of get back in the swing of things, get back working, be with the coaches. So it's I mean, people act like you don't do anything or something. Like there's no value to it. Like it's voluntary. So why would you ever do it? Because it has a purpose. Because it has value, right? I mean. Everything that you do has some sort of value. It's just a matter of what value is more important to you. Vacationing has value because it's fun. Going to uh, voluntary OTAs is beneficial because it's going to help you become a better football player, especially when you don't have experience with this team. Which one is more important? Having more fun, considering you've been off work for over a year, more vacations, more, 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 or going to work for the first time ever? I don't know. But whatever, he's coming back, and um, still relatively optimistic about him, to be completely honest. I, I, I hope it's not one of the questions, because then I'll be um, cutting myself off. But I believe it was just a comment I saw somewhere saying he thinks Funchess is going to be a bust. And um, I don't really think so. Again, as I've said, he's he's been marginally better than the guys that, that we've had here as far as his PFF grades. And um, he hasn't really worked with as good of a quarterback. Now, I know it's... I've always kind of railed against that way of thinking, but it's not a matter of can he help a little bit. It's people saying you can take anybody and he just becomes an elite player because he's playing with Rodgers. That's not true. Can you get slightly better? Of course. I'm not saying your quarterback has no impact, obviously. It's just the idea that bad wide receivers become great wide receivers or whatever, or you're going to revitalize a career because of Rodgers. That's just, that's never happened. I guess I shouldn't say never, but it, you know. Offensive linemen come here and have revitalized careers. Zadarius came here and had a revitalized career. It's not all because Rodgers is some magician. Um, in other news, the Vikings did sign Bashad Breeland. I've been mentioning how um, cornerback is an issue for them, and they have signed a ton of free agents over this past year to try to get up to speed. They still need to do work to you know, get their own guys and everything, but this will work in the interim. Um, they at least have enough bodies, I believe. Uh, they went out and got Patrick Peterson. They brought in Mackenzie Alexander, and now they got Bashad Breeland. You mix that in with Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler. Um, there's plenty of guys here that are going to be able to start. I'm not entirely sure. I think what they did is kind of secure the floor. A lot of these guys are kind of big names that really haven't been super impressive recently, right? Patrick Peterson, like, dude, they got Patrick P. Whoa. It's like, yeah, he he had a real good run from like 2012 to 2018. And even in there, he had some bad years. 2014 was a terrible year. 2017 wasn't great. 2019, 
Um, he graded out his average, and then 2020, uh, he had his first bad year since 2014, which, I mean, he bounced back from that bad year and had a real good year in 2015. It possibly bounces back again, but at 31 years old, eh, I don't know, going to a new team. By the way, this past year, he had one good or two good games all year against the Giants and against the 49ers. Two good games, period. So not super freaked out about Patrick Peterson. To put that in context, he basically graded out about the same as Kevin King. His grade was in the 50s, and he had two good games all year. That's that's Kevin King. Chicago and Detroit for Kevin. But I, but I will say, I, I and I've said it before, I think the, the Vikings are a pretty good team. I, th- I like the defensive line. The corners aren't elite, but I think there's a lot of potential there. Bashad Breland, I've said, is, is overrated since day one. But he's he's made it work, right? He's He's been a nice floor for the Chiefs. He can come in and be a nice floor for the Vikings. So they have competent but not great corners. They've got a good group of safeties. They've got one of the better linebackers in football. At least he's been able to do it back-to-back years. Talking about Kendricks, not Barr. Barr is just not great. Offensively, Kirk Cousins is fine. Um, fantastic wide receivers. One of the top running backs in football. An improved offensive line. I mean, it's just it's just a good team. I don't know what else to say about it. Again, I I, I don't think I'm biased about stuff. I mean, I, I clearly am biased, but... When I tell you I don't like a football team, it's because I don't like a football team. When I tell you I don't think the Bears are that good or I don't think their defense is as good as everyone's telling you, which, by the way, I told you to watch out for the Bears and the Bears' defense the year before or the you know the offseason before they blew up. And I also told you they were going to start regressing, and they did. I'm not saying stuff just to be like, dude, the Bears suck always. No, it's just, it's just what it is. And I hope that you can trust when I say that because I'm flat out telling you right now the Vikings are a good football team. Now, whether they can put it together is a separate thing. They're losing a lot of guys. They got a lot of different people coming in. You got to assume some people repeat. You got to assume their running back stays healthy. You got to assume the offensive lineman can step up. You know, Justin Jefferson, can he be the second best or first best wide receiver in the NFL back to back seasons? Eh, we'll see. I don't expect him to be bad, but is he going to be that good? The defensive line is a ton of question marks. Um, Daniil Hunter actually had a sort of a Zadarius Smith season, the same year as Zadarius Smith. Is he going to be able to maintain that, or is he going to go back to being real good as opposed to being like one of the best pass rushers in football? And there is a big difference there, especially when you are like the guy. Because the two guys on the inside are run stuffers. The guy on the other side is, he's okay. If you're good, not great, then that's, it's nowhere near as scary. So they're, they're kind of hinging on it. And I think it really comes down to that defensive line. If they have a dominant defensive line, everything else around it suddenly starts to seem like a good defense. If they're mediocre, with mediocre corners and, you know, one good safety, maybe, because he's very up and down, and then one safety that's kind of mediocre, and then, like, a good linebacker, you know, it's, it's, it's got its moments, but you can pick it apart. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's one of the few teams that you can say offensively and defensively, they got their stuff together. Not perfect, but no team is. But if you can just if you can put together a good offensive unit and a good defensive unit, you're you're probably going to be one of the top teams in football. You know, I mean, though, at least when you look at the units in general, most of the units are solid. You know, I mean, you can contrast that with the uh, the Lions. It's like offensive line, yeah, decent. Quarterback, yeah, it's questionable. Running back, yeah, we'll see. Wide receivers, yeah, kind of scary. Defensive line, nah, not good. Corners, pretty bad. Linebackers, eh, real bad safeties eh, maybe you know what I mean it's like that that's not going to be a good team and again I, I admire what they're doing they they tore it up they found some new people you know I like John Dorsey I think they're building it's just it's going to take time and we got to see what this coach can do but um yeah 
So the the Vikings signed Breland. <laughs> I never know how we get where we where we end up. I mean, I can see the starting point and I can see the ending point. I don't know the path. It's like we started in Wisconsin. Right now, I am in New York City. Wait, wait, is that the Golden Gate Bridge? What the heck am I doing here? That's what it feels like doing this podcast every day. How many wrong turns do you have to take? Anyways, um, I think that's kind of it for newsy news. I guess we'll kick it over to the questions. And right out of the gate, and I read this yesterday, and it's like, I know I'm going to overthink this one, but let's let's get to it. Thomas Austin in the Facebook group says, Who do you have the highest of hopes and the lowest of dreads for this upcoming season? Um, number one, Packers players only. Two, Rodgers is too easy of an answer. So Packers, not Rodgers. Again, it's just one of those things I'm nitpicking words here. What does that mean? Because I can answer it a couple different ways. Are we talking about, like, expectations? Like, I really think this guy's going to be great? Or are we saying hope as in, like, I really hope this is the guy that blows up because it's going to have the biggest impact on the team? I mean, the fact that you use the word hope and dread kind of makes it feel like it's, well, like, hope and dread. Like, I'm, I'm optimistic versus very pessimistic. So that's how I'm going to answer it. If that's wrong... Ask it again, because I'm going to need a lot more questions, Thomas, and thank you very much for the question. Very hopeful for, see, and that's the other thing. It's like, are we talking about, like, I could say Devontae, because I I have high expectations for him to really help out this team, but that's boring. Let's say, I'm I'm just hijacking the question and making it what it might be, but more or less just how I want to answer this. Highest hopes in terms of guys that I think can really impact the team that maybe haven't yet. So I guess we're kind of talking about breakout player, which I've already kind of talked about, but whatever. I'm going to say Rashawn. Not necessarily because I have the highest hopes in terms of I think he's going to do it, although that is a factor here, but it's it's a mix between I think he's going to do it and I really, really hope he does it. Uh, if you saw some of the stuff that I was posting on Twitter and on Facebook, you would see that via next-gen stats, they said the top 10 most disruptive players in the NFL Rashawn Gary was number, I believe, nine on the list. So it's funny. I've, I've been telling you guys this since forever. Nobody, I mean, a lot of you guys believe me and listen to me, at least understand that that's a reality, the statistics that I'm doing, giving you, the math that I'm giving you. But I think most people are like, well, PFF is stupid, even though that's kind of silly because I'm giving you statistics. I've told you his grades are not very good. His statistics are very good. But then next-gen next stats rolls out, and, and that's even surprising to me because I don't think I can get Rashawn Gary top 10 in anything based on PFF stats. But using different statistics and different formulas or whatever that um, NextGen set up. And again, you set it up ahead of time and then go and find the answers. You don't set it up um, and then tweak it until you get the answers you want. They said, what is the best way to gauge whether somebody is disruptive? They put together their own formula, a bunch of math nerds, and they came up with a list that actually makes a lot of sense. The only guy that's on there that's like, wait, what? Would be Rashawn Gary. But the thing is, the only reason he's a wait what guy is because he doesn't get the stats because he doesn't have the opportunities. So think about that for a minute. I've told you this already. I said if you extrapolate out and put the same number of uh, statistics, if you gave Gary the same amount of opportunities as you, as you gave Zadarius, Zadarius Smith had 548 pass rushing attempts. Rashawn had 299. So for those of you that haven't heard me say this already, because I have, if you take, so Zadarius Smith had 51 pressures on his 548 attempts. If Rashawn Gary had 548 attempts, he would have had 71 pressures. I mean, you have to assume the rate stays the same, but that's what I'm going to do. There are only two players in the NFL that had more than 71 pressures, TJ Watt and Shaquille Barrett. That's it. That's the whole list. I would say that's disruptive. Rashawn Gary had seven sacks 
by playing about half as many times as Zadarius did. If you give him the same amount of opportunities, we're talking about 13 sacks, which is what Zadarius had, but you're talking 71 pressures and 13 sacks on the season. The point that I'm trying to say, and, and, and I think Next Gen is kind of backing us up on this, is if he was given starting opportunities, he would be one of the top pass rushers, at least statistically. He would be. Double-digit sacks. And the, the funny thing is, it would have been back-to-back seasons. Even last year, if you take the number of sacks he had and, ex- and, and multiply it by Zadarius' attempts, you would have 11 sacks. So 11 in his rookie year, 13 in his sophomore year is what he would have had. He's just being held back by the defensive coordinators, and I don't really know why. And I believe there's a question about this, so I'm going to pause for a second and read it so that I can continue on this rant and hopefully answer Ah, oh, shoot, I can't because I didn't finish answering this question. Anyways, it's Rashawn. Now, I hope, because apparently right now in, uh, in OTAs, Preston's still getting those number two reps over Pres- uh, uh, Rashawn, and that kind of just needs to stop. Um, Preston Smith had 400. Think about this for a second. Preston Smith had 26 pressures compared to 39 Rashawn pressures. He had 401 attempts compared to Rashawn's 299. He had 102 more attempts, which is like 50% more, and had 13 less pressures, two less sacks on the season than Rashawn did. What in the world are we doing? And it's not even that he's grading out better, because, you know, the grades take everything else into account that you're supposed to be doing out there. Rashawn Gary had a 63 overall grade. PFF still sees him as, as average overall. Preston was a 54. There's nothing Preston does better, and Rashawn is one of the better pass rushers in the NFL, apparently, according to this, for the last two years in a row. Yeah, I'd like to see him get closer to four or 500 attempts, if at all possible. That'd be great. Um, dread? Dread. So somebody that is probably going to play, and I don't really have a lot of hopes for them contributing at a high level. Who would that be? I, I, I probably have to, it's, you know, kind of cheating, but I'm going to zero in on the linebackers, and you can kind of just take your pick. Chris Barnes, Ty Summers. Um... You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get better production. And a lot of that may come down to just a having a defensive coordinator that was a linebacker coach that not only can elevate their play, but just do a better job of putting guys in good positions to succeed. It's one thing to have physical limitations, to not be able to make a play because you just can't do it. You can't, you can't run there fast enough. You can't shed the block, whatever. It's another thing to have a team that just gets embarrassed because guys don't know what they're doing. And far too often we see Packers guys doing that. Linebackers that are just in the wrong spot, going the wrong way. They're supposed to cover. They're not covering. They're, they're going, the, you know, whatever. At least if they can do that, that's fine. But I, I don't really have any expectations. I, I, I've mentioned I like Kamal, but I don't think he's going to get a ton of opportunities. I think he's maybe a little bit more, as I've said, limited. Um, and the Packers really want to find that guy. We did draft a, a linebacker that I set up like this year, but I don't, you know, realistically, do I think he's going to step up and be some kind of a stud? Not really, no. I really like the guy from the little bit that I saw, but no, I just, I don't, I don't think that they've really put in the, the effort into getting a linebacker that has the physical abilities to just do what you ask linebackers to do, which is part of why it's weird that linebackers are so devalued because it's such a difficult position. Not only are they generally the guys that wear the communication helmets, so they have to be incredibly intelligent, but as I've said, they're almost like Defensive tackle corner hybrids, or, or at least safety hybrids. You got to be able to shed blocks and make tackles. You also have to be able to drop and cover. You got to be able to read the offense because you, you've got, you know, defensive linemen, you know where you're standing. 
and you're not dropping, you're pushing, you're, you know, you're pushing somebody. That's, that's what you're doing. As a linebacker, you might have to go forward, left, right, backwards, angle this way, that way, the other way. You got to read so many different things and make the right determination. It's just strange to me that and it's so universally, I guess I shouldn't say universally. Some teams pay a bunch for linebackers, but at least the Packers just see no value in it. And that just blows my mind. I'm going to skip ahead to Goose's question real quick here because uh, it had to do with Gary, but he says, will Gary get number one, two reps this season? Do you think the defensive line will be less involved in other responsibilities will help them play better? Being less involved. Got it. Um, First of all, I don't know that the second part is true. I had speculated and hoped that that would be the case, that they would spend more time just getting after the quarterback because I had heard that somewhere. However, I'd seen other people dig up on Twitter uh, remember, Joe Barry has worked with Preston Smith before in Washington. I believe he was the defensive coordinator over there. And um, some people had dug up tweets about how Washington fans were really angry that he kept dropping Preston in coverage. So I don't, I don't know how different this is going to be than Mike Pettin. I don't know how different this is going to be in terms of asking outside linebackers, edge rushers to drop into coverage. I hope that's the case. Um, I hope that this is a more vanilla defense. Um, not, you know, generally speaking, that's not great. Th- th- there's two sides to every coin, right? And, and you see this with defensive coordinators a lot of the time when, you know, somebody comes in and their defense is super complex and it's like, man, offense is, you know, especially young quarterbacks, they don't know how to read these kinds of defenses. We're throwing all kinds of stuff at them and it's confusing and it's just hard to play against these defenses. And really, that, that's when it comes down to scheme. But you got to have people that can execute. they got to be really intelligent. And a lot of times, if the defense doesn't work and you've got a Dom Capers slash Mike Pettin type of guy, the thing you constantly keep hearing is you got to simplify. you got to simplify. And then when you simplify and it doesn't work, you want to be more complex. So it's just it's back and forth. But I, again, I, I've had a lot of questions about this defense. I don't know the first thing about what we're actually going to get. You know, there's, there's what he's done in the past. There's the fact that he's worked with Fangio. There's the fact that he's worked over with the Rams. Um, you know, he's, he's learned from a lot of different people. But what are we going to be doing on a... What are we going to be doing, you know? Now, will Gary get one or two reps this season? I, I don't know how he can. I think that would be an abomination. Um, not only because Rashawn Gary is better, but because I, there's almost no chance Preston is going to be here after this year. Zadarius may not. I, I, I like to think they're going to just restructure that abomination of a contract, which would mean probably an extension. I don't really know, but we got to see how he performs. If he has a great year, then fine. Just lock him up, extend him. If he doesn't, then I don't know what we're going to do. But you got to get him prepared. I mean, he's he's ready. Again, everybody's looking at it saying he's, he's a premier pass rusher. He's very good. He's got some issues. Maybe on a play-to-play basis, it's not all that great. But in terms of just raw statistics, getting to the quarterback, he does it as well as anybody. He did it better than Zedarius last year. Again, third most pressures, at least if you give him the same amount of opportunities as, um, as Zedarius had. So for both of those reasons, he needs to be out there constantly. And if there's a number three, in other words, a guy that comes off the field the most, it's Preston. It has to be. I don't, I don't, you know, sometimes I just get confused by it. I understand there's a level of understanding and there's some complexity that we'd like to be able to do. And if Rashawn can't do it, then we got to kind of pull him. But I think at some level, you got to drop your pride and be like, dude, I'm sure your plays are brilliant. And I'm sure that you're a super smart guy and you're going to throw some kind of a curveball at somebody. But at the end of the day, it comes down to execution. And I want guys that can execute. 
not just, you know, you understand, you know, you're not going to mess up this play. Okay, fine. I get that it's confusing, but what if they throw at Preston? Have we, have we considered that? What if they read it? What if they pick it up? Your, your special little blitz and they throw at Preston. I just wish we would rely more on players and less on scheme when it comes to defense. Offense, you know, scheme can be fantastic. Defense, I just, I'm very leery of it. Scheme-based. The best defenses in the world are elite because of players. I guess that's technically true of offense too, but offenses need some level of, of scheming. Tom Brady always had wide open wide receivers. That's not because Edelman is the greatest route runner in the history of the world. There's nobody near him anywhere. They're just picking apart zones left and right. The 49ers were almost entirely scheme-based. Not that they don't have good players, but it's like there's nobody ever knew what to do. There's always somebody running open. And then you get guys to execute on top of it, which is similar to what happened with the Packers. You take a good group of guys that um, struggled because the scheme was horrific, and you add in a scheme that's great, you go from six wins to number one offense in football. So, I mean, it, it just, it, it has to be. It just has to be. Rashawn needs more time, period. If, if the goal of this team is to bring extra, and they have to. The defense is so much better when pressure's there. Listen, in 2019, pressure was the number one thing this defense did. It was just that the DBs weren't really there yet, right? Uh, Jair was good, but he was nowhere near elite. Kevin King was bad. The safeties were good, but not quite as good as this past year. In, in last year, 2020, the DBs were the strength. Amos, Savage, and Jair. But the pressure just wasn't there. Zadarius had a bit of a drop-off. Rashawn, I mean, he just didn't play very much. The stats were fine on a, on a uh, snap-to-snap basis as a percentage, but in terms of total numbers, they're not there. Why? Because he wasn't given opportunities, and Preston gave us nothing. And Kenny gave us nothing. We got to be able to get both of those things. We need 2019 pass rush and 2020 coverage and hopefully improved coverage with Eric Stokes. If we can get that and maintain the level of offense, I I mean, it's just, there's there's never a guarantee of of winning a Super Bowl. And I've said that. But if you've got a top five defense and a number one offense and you can't win a Super Bowl, there's kind of just no hope (laughs) because that just very rarely happens. Doesn't mean you can't lose, but there's no excuse for losing at that point other than guys just not showing up at, at the exact wrong times. Anyways, I've been able to ramble almost a half hour already, so I guess now would be as good a time as any as take to take a break. Got a very special shout-out to Mr. JT Bird for jumping in on the Patreons. I really, really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. As a reminder, if we get to 300 patrons, which right now is 79 patrons away, by the end of Week 1, when that game is over, If we've got 300 people in there, I'm going to be doing two giveaways. Number one is going to be for new patrons. They're going to be given uh, some really cool stuff. Zadarius jersey. uh, There's a game, uh, a piece of Rogers jersey from a game in which he played. I said that really stupid, but I think you know what I'm talking about. You get to pick one of these things. Really awesome giveaway. I think there's a Lazard signed mini helmet. I should have it up so I don't keep guessing every week, every day. I probably keep saying the wrong stuff. Um, And then I'm going to open it up for all patrons Somebody is going to be getting a Green Bay Packers ticket, which I'm very excited about being able to give that away. And again, we have a lot more than 79 days and only 79 uh, more patrons to be able to get there. And it's just $1 per month to be able to get entered into that. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can also listen to the podcast early and ad free as a perk, as well as get into the Discord chat if you want to do that. It's a private chat just for patrons. But anyways, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. We've got a couple questions about Rodgers and in turn uh, how that uh, would play out with Devontae. I'm just going to read both of them and then I'll get to the answer. Uh, Jeb in the Facebook group says, Rodgers doesn't play for us, and in turn, Devontae refuses to resign and privately lets it be known he wants out after this year. Do you trade him? And if so, what's his value? Again, the scenario is with Rodgers retiring or being traded. So again, this is a scenario. He's not making a statement. And then Zach says, if you were playing GM, what would you do with Rodgers? Who would you cut? And what would you do with Adams if he wanted to be traded? Would you trade him to wherever you traded Rodgers? And who would you release, cut, restructure, trade, or... Uh, in the next upcoming season, Z, Preston, Turner, Amos, etc. So let's get to the whole Aaron Rodgers and Devontae thing, because I kind of had a thought. I've been thinking that if it was up to me, it's starting to make a lot more sense. Don't trade him this year, right? As I've said, he's going to be able to retain his value in 2022. Let him sit all of 2021, and then we'll consider trading him in 2022, because the value is going to be almost identical. And we're going to recoup a ton of money, which we need next year, which is when we recoup that money, I believe. That's how that works. So the money that he would have to pay back would get added to our cap last year, next year. Now, that would happen either way. And in fact, we would get less if we just trade him. But we can still trade him and still get a bunch of money back if that's what we decide to do. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. As far as Devontae is concerned, one of the – and I'm not saying he wants to leave because of that. But it's, it's an extra added bargaining chip with Devontae. It's a lot easier. Let's just pretend he does, he is hesitant to stay if Rodgers leaves. Fine, then we're not going to get rid of him. Now, maybe he's going to say, well, you know, I know you're getting rid of him anyway, so I still don't want to be here. And if Rodgers isn't playing, then, then I don't want to. Fine. But if you want to leave, where are you going to go? You can't go with Rodgers. He's still a Packer. There is no super team for you to join. So you're going to get shipped off to some team that's just not very good. You want to go to what? Jacksonville? Maybe. I mean, Florida could be cool. Young, aspiring guy, but it's also kind of a garbage franchise that may possibly just continue to be garbage. Just because you got a great quarterback doesn't mean that Mr. College Coach is going to come in and just make things all perfect. Go play for the Giants, go play for the Jets. Is that what you want? What I would do is I would say, listen, we're going to work it out. We're going to get this thing with Rodgers straightened out. You know, we're not letting him go. He's our guy. You know how important he is to this franchise. We can't let him go. Uh, we're making some organizational changes. We're going to do everything it takes. Flat out lying. 
I don't think he's coming back, and I fully intend to trade him next year. I'm not telling Devontae that, because Devontae's contract is running out, and he needs to make a decision. I'm going to put a massive amount of money on the table and say, come on, man, let's make this work. Let's get you paid today. And you got to understand, if it's a, uh, let's just say it's like a $25 million contract over four years, we're talking $100 million. That's, that's like a 30 million, there's potentially a $30 million signing bonus involved there. If you take what his percentage of his sign, his, his last contract was an $18 million signing bonus, um, on a 58 year total contract, 31% is what his signing bonus was. Can you imagine being offered a $100 million contract? Obviously that's not entirely guaranteed, but his guaranteed at signing was, uh, total guaranteed was 30. So we would call it Let's just say $50 million guaranteed, $30 million signing bonus, which is to say there's $100 million on the table. You're guaranteed to get $50 million over the next four years, and we're going to slap $30 million. We're going to write you a $30 million check today. Now, I'm sure he likes Aaron Rodgers, but at the end of the day, this is about making money, and this is about getting the best possible contract available because this is probably potentially the last contract you're going to get. And it's a good thing to be able to sign it with the team that you've been with this whole time. And the Packers are telling me they're going to keep Aaron Rodgers around. And even if, you know, let's just say the only thing that would get us get me to leave is if Rodgers went somewhere and he said, hey, come on over here, and, and Rodgers could convince them to pay him top dollar. Say the Raiders, right? Raiders could use a wide receiver. If, he, if Rodgers went to the Raiders and he says, listen, they're going to pay you $25 bucks. come play for me, and we're going to build a super franchise over here in Las Vegas. But if Rodgers is sitting on the bench... There's no leverage. Where, where's your super team? Now, you can leave just for the sake of leaving because you're mad. But what's the benefit in that? You're just hurting yourself. You're going to go play for a terrible team? Your contract is running out, right? And, and if you play this year, you might get hurt. And that's a, ma- that's a major concern because even though it's a low possibility, there is a chance you have a career-ending injury. I'm not even going to consider talking about trading Rodgers until Devontae's locked up, and he's probably going to want to get it locked up before the season starts. Probably a good part of the reason he doesn't want to show up to these things is because he doesn't want to get injured. It's a lot of money on the line. $50 million in cash possibly waiting for him in terms of total guarantees as, as much as maybe, like I said, $30 million up front in his bank account. These are made up numbers, but it's, it's you know, okay, so 20. I don't know. He's only 28. So, I, you know, I, I don't think he wants to leave. But again, the only thing that's going to throw a wrench in this and you could say, well, maybe he just doesn't want to be here because love is unproven and he doesn't like love. Yeah, but compared to what? Where is he going to go? The Packers decide where he gets traded. I mean, Devontae has a little bit of power in which he can say, no, I'm not going there, and just flat out refuse, and then maybe he'll get out of it. Maybe. But again, he might go to the Raiders. You're telling me you want to play for Carr on a team that just doesn't have really a lot of talent anywhere else? I mean, I guess you got a tight end and a running back, but you got a super goofy coach. They don't draft very well, and that defense is just, it's terrible. You've got a better situation here. Where are you going? Philadelphia really needs some wide receivers. I mean, they did just draft another guy, but uh, the Jets could use some help. Washington, you want to go to Pittsburgh with all the stuff going on with, with Big Ben? You want to go play for the Giants? You want to go play for Cincinnati? And again, they just drafted a guy too. Carolina, where are you going to go? So again, another reason to not deal Rodgers at least this year. Get Devontae locked up. Get the crew back in order. See what Jordan Love has. Either way, whether he's good or not, I'm going to want to trade Rodgers if he's refusing to come back for an entire year because we're going to need that that capital. If Love is great, then I want to trade him and get those picks and build around him. 
Plus, we don't need Rodgers, so what are we keeping him on the bench for? If he's terrible, we need those picks so we can draft a quarterback. <laughs> you know, we're, we're picking 11th because we had a bad year, and uh, I'd like to be able to get two other first-round picks if at all possible. That'd be great. So that's sort of a, I guess, somewhat of a separate thought. Answering the questions a little bit more directly, Jeb says, if Devontae refuses to re-sign, what do you do? I, you know, I guess it's similar. If you want to give up all your money, fine. You can sit. The issue with him, though, is we have to trade him as long as we have him on contract. So he'll sit the year, as in the season, um, but we may decide to trade him later. I saw somebody mention, I believe it was in the Facebook group, I don't think it's in the questions here. Um, maybe it was in the Discord, actually. But the idea of waiting till about midseason, I think that's actually real smart, and is a possibility with Rodgers as well, which I think is what they were talking about. When you talk midseason, part of the benefit, as they brought up, was... The fact that you can trade him to a team that really isn't a contender, right? If you traded Rodgers, let's say, or Devontae to Denver, and Denver by midway through the season is, uh, you know, three and five. Not only are you not worried about them competing with you, knocking you out of the playoffs, any of that stuff, but you're also driving up the competition because there are certain teams that are like, I don't know, we want to see what we got in our guy, right? For example, the, uh, the Carolina Panthers might want to see what they got in Darnold. Same with wide receivers. You know, we got some second-year guys. We got some rookie guys. We got some other guys we brought in we're hoping are going to be okay. But by the time you get midway through the season, you've got injuries. You've got some answers that, you know, these guys just are not very good. And so if you start to open the floodgates, that would kind of make sense. And I I think more so with Devontae. Now, to be clear, I don't think this is going to happen. I do think we're going to sign Devontae. I think he's going to get locked up. But it's, it's a hypothetical. The point is, if he's refusing, we have to trade him. And we don't have exactly the same leverage as we do with Rodgers because Rodgers has a very long-term contract. We can make him sit for three years. Devontae's done after this year. If we let his contract expire, he just gets to walk away. Now, you get a compensatory pick, but that's a third-round pick for Devontae. whoop de doo In terms of compensation, I mean, he was the number one wide receiver in the league. You know, there's some talk that maybe the Falcons are being offered a first-round pick for... Um, for Julio, and, and some people are like, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Here, here's the difference, though. Devontae Adams doesn't come with a massive contract. He's on the last year of his contract, so basically you're just you're getting a clean slate with Devontae. On top of that, Devontae's 28 years old. Julio's 500. On top of that, Devontae this past year was better than Julio. Best wide receiver in football, relatively young, not expensive. His base salary for 2021, and you'd only be getting him for half a year, possibly when the season's over, so I don't think you're paying him anything, $12.25 million. And the Packers aren't playing him either because he sat out. So you'd be trading a contract that essentially expires. I mean, you can trade him in, you know, January to a team that's not in playoff contention. And, and you know, part of the issue is teams are going to be less interested, obviously, when they're not in contention anymore than when they would be in contention. But with the competition level being up, what choice do they have? They're going to say, no, it would have been better before because there's a billion other teams lining up to take this guy. So you can hem and haw and say that's not fair and you should have given them to us. Fine, so you're not going to get them or what? Well, we're going to offer you less. Fine, I guess you're out of the running because that's not how this works. There's a ton of people interested in these guys. Um, Moving over to more specifically Zach's question, uh, would you trade him to wherever Rodgers wanted to be traded? No, because I don't want to give him that much power. Like I said, Rodgers is staying until Devontae is, is figured out. Now, you could say possibly Devontae moves first and then he's like, come on, come over here and they try to work that out, but... Again, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell Rodgers you can sit, and if I trade you, you're not going where Devontae is, unless it's just a terrible... I mean, if it's the Raiders, I would actually consider it, because I just don't trust them to build a football team. Their defense is horrific. It's basically like 
the worst version of the Green Bay Packers is what they would get over there with the Raiders when when the defense was just an absolute joke and basically it's just Rodgers and one wide receiver. Goes on to say, who would you release, cut, restructure, trade, or extend in the next upcoming season? I'm assuming that means we're keeping Rodgers, so we have to do these things. Um, Turner's got to be gone, not just because he was quite bad, but we we've invested so much in the offensive line. We got to have the confidence to move on, and if we don't, then we got to draft somebody else, I guess. But we we've got to be able to build that confidence um, to be able to move on from from Billy Turner and not have to pay him. Amos, I said this past year we should have extended and didn't, but I absolutely would. Zadarius is going to depend. His contract is massive, and he's got several years left. I don't want to extend him if he continues to decline like he did last year. If he stays at a high level, let's just give him a, another contract. Let's just extend him. We got to get we got to get the dollars down though. So, anyways, we actually have a ton more questions, which is exciting. I think we're going to be able to get uh, quite a bit more, at least for tomorrow. But I am going to stop there. Not going to get too greedy. Again, make sure you jump in and uh, ask some questions so we can keep this train rolling right through the moving season. I'm not going to be fully back in the swing until probably Wednesday because I'm going to be at the new house Monday and Tuesday, and I'm going to head back Tuesday night to be able to record for Wednesday unless it's too late. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But um, need several days more of, of questions and help getting through this, this, this trying time. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.